Hi, welcome to Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards for the week of July 5, 2010. This is a forum for riffing and ranting on hot or important topics in healthcare marketing. Trends and ideas. A whole lot of other noise thrown in. That was nice. Kind of theatrical. Do I? It was creepy? a little monotone at first, and then he got theatrical and... Yeah. It was nice. A little more emphasis <laughs> on the right syllables. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm Chris Bevelo. I'm president of Interval, healthcare marketing firm that's putting on the podcast. And I'm joined today in studio by... Jackie Ritaco, account coordinator with Interval. And uh, Adam Meyer, design director at Interval. How are you guys doing? You survived the Justin Bieber concert? <laughs> <laughs> I saw on the news that was, was a sold out show, mm-hmm. right? And then the Twins game was, of course, sold out because I think they all are. Yeah, yeah. That would be crazy. I couldn't imagine being down here for that. Yeah, and, and if people don't know in the, in the community, the Twins Stadium, the new Twins Stadium, backs up right to Target Center, which is our the arena in Minneapolis. So the concert was literally right, right across the street from the Twins game. So, yeah. You guys didn't go to Justin Bieber? <laughs> no. I couldn't, get, I couldn't get tickets. It was sold, it was sold out. You, you didn't call into KDWB, too? No, I did not too. try. KDWB. I, I don't oh think I've ever, I know he's like the, the YouTube sensation. I think that's where he got his right. start. Was it American Idol? No, no not Justin Bieber. Yeah, he was on YouTube, like oh. doing his own little thing, I guess, and got signed. But here's my problem with him. He's 15. And he's, all of his songs are about love. Yeah, yeah no kidding. He sings with like Usher and I mean, it's like, oh, you're 15. Yeah. What do you know about love? But and, all the oh. teeny boppers. Has your heart been ripped from your chest love? like it has? Trust me, 15? I've seen my son's Facebook page. They're talking about love at in sixth grade, which is 12. Not even that, but just the, I mean, he should be singing about lollipops and teddy bears as far as I'm He's concerned. not trying to attract you, Jackie. You're too, <laughs> you're too wizened and cynical in your mid-20s. No, there are women in their 30s who go nuts over this little kid. Okay, that's I'm not kidding. Not talking about yeah, that's, that, that's in my, my band days, traveling all over the Midwest, playing in this classic rock cover band, I was probably you know, somewhere between 18 and 22 during that period, and I... Yeah, there were plenty of uh, women twice my age who were inappropriate. Dude, you need to quiet right now. <laughs> you need, we need to go to a different direction. Okay, that's Trust hilarious. Trust me. I'm just, I'm just validating her. No, I'm no Justin Bieber. Don't get me wrong. I'm no Justin Bieber. <laughs> you mean you don't wear a big fat hat, like angled sideways? And... I don't look like a little girl, no. Did you have groupies? Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't know. I guess. If that's what you call them. <laughs> Please. Anywho. Anywho. No more Justin Bieber talk. <laughs> All right. Well, we wanted to give a shout out to Candy Wolf, who's a marketing director at Metro Dental Care. And Metro Dental Care is, I believe, the largest dental practice in the Twin Cities. At uh, least 25, 26 clinics. Pretty big. I'm not yeah, I don't know the I don't know statistically if they're the largest. What's the there's another big system in the Metro? Well, Health Partners has a big one. Oh. So they're probably they if they're if Metro Dental Care has the most than, than Health Partners does. But mm-hmm. they used to be a client of ours. And Candy's still a friend. Did you work with Candy, Adam? Yeah. At yep. North Memorial? Okay, yep. so, so we know Candy really well. And we actually helped them years ago. And I believe it was 2005 uh, with the brand right. strategy. And <coughs> a resulting, uh, there was an ad campaign that followed up. And I think that hit in 2006. So 
but a couple episodes ago of our podcast, we talked about being patient. Be patient with your branding. Be patient with your advertising. And I was at the Twins game yesterday and got a magazine, the Twins magazine, opened it up, and there was a full-page ad uh, cool. from within the same campaign that started four years ago. So that's the patience we're talking about, letting a brand campaign like that work in a community uh, for at least four years. I know it's been at least four years, maybe mm-hmm. five. Uh, and we also know, I know, that that organization has gone through leadership changes. So in, the, in that time, uh, the CEO has left. Uh, some of the primary owners have left. There's been an ownership change in the organization as a whole. Uh, so Candy has remained the whole time, and I just think that she deserves a lot of credit because those are the kind of things that often throw branding campaigns or everything advertising campaigns or branding strategies for that matter off leadership changes, ownership changes, whatever mm-hmm. somebody new comes in and says, we're going to change who we are. Uh, but somehow, some way candy's been able to maintain that. And I think that deserves, I mean, we haven't been who working knows? with them for three years, so this isn't, this isn't self-congratulatory fapping. This is all for candy <laughs> for the yes. work she's done yeah. on her own yep. or with, I don't know, maybe she's worked with people over there, but, uh, as the person who's probably managed that brand the best or, or been responsible for it, uh, she deserves credit for that. Yep. So we wanted to give her a shout out on that. Oh. Yay! Oh. And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> okay. So moving on, we're going to spend the rest of the podcast talking about uh, a story that was in advertising age. Uh, this week, actually, the week we're recording, it was published June 28th, and, and I bet a lot of the people who listen to this have seen it. The title is called Healthcare Reform Stokes Spending by Top Hospitals and Clinics. And this was forwarded to me by a couple of people, actually, and I just had a chance to read it yesterday. And there were so many things in it that we could talk about. I thought, well, let's just spend the rest of our podcast talking about it. There's a lot of good stuff in here, uh, but there's also a lot of... Uh, almost laughable things or, or things that would make us roll our eyes. Uh, so I'm going to try to read some parts of this so people who maybe haven't seen it have the context, and then we can just go point by point. Uh, it starts by talking about a hospital, Sarasota Memorial Hospital at Life, tweeted a kidney surgery, trading more than 1,900 tweets among followers during the procedure. Welcome to the new front in medical marketing. Hospitals jockeying to position themselves for growth amid a perfect storm of aging baby boomers and a healthcare reform bill that will result in millions more insured patients down the road. So let's just start with that. Okay. <laughs> this is that age, the, the leading advertising publication in the country. And it says, welcome to the new <clears throat> front in medical marketing. Hospitals jockeying to position themselves for growth. That's new. Not yeah. new. That's news to me. News to them. <laughs> It's news to ad age. It's like all of a sudden, it's kind of like the NPR story we talked about where they're like, hospitals compete? This is fascinating. And they think it's because of social media or they think it's because whatever's, because they've discovered it now, it must be social media reform, right? So it's very discouraging that one of the leading voices in advertising talks about hospital marketing advertising as if this is just new Groundbreaking, okay? And then they tie it to healthcare reform, which I think is, clearly, if it's not new, you can't tie it to healthcare reform. Right. 
Uh, and would any of us in this room tie live surgical tweeting to healthcare? <laughs> no. Well, why not? Why? Oh. I think that's a better question. Okay, <laughs> Aristotle, <laughs> Socrates, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I answer your question why with why. What? Well, first well, of mean, all, it's been happening since before healthcare reform. Right. Right. It's been happening right. for a couple of years. But my, my question is, what's the connection? Right. I mean, so that's why I say why. I mean, you could, in that regard, you could tie anything to healthcare reform. I mean, that's just because it happened right around the same time that healthcare reform is the, the big issue, the big topic, doesn't mean it's related to it. Well, the, the way they are tying it together is they're saying uh, leading healthcare systems such as Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, Johns Hopkins, et cetera. Uh, are trying to focus on becoming known for specific, as being the place for specific diseases. So heart care, oncology, whatever. So uh, it says, with the combination of co-branding partnerships, reputation advertising, and an increased presence in social media, hospital medical centers are trying to establish themselves as the go-to place for particular diseases as more patients comparison shop for treatment. So... Uh, that's, again, been going on for two decades. Uh, it, one question this leads me to ask is, what is, what do, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but what is the true growth opportunity for domestic medical tourism? That's what this is. This is Mayo Clinic or right. Cleveland Clinic trying to draw people from outside <clears throat> their geographic area. You know, how many people can actually make that choice, right? Could any of us decide that, you know what, Cleveland Clinic delivers the best heart care, so we're going to go there. I would, honestly, and it might just be that I'm naive because I have, I'm young and healthy, or at least relatively speaking. Um, I don't even, I wouldn't even consider looking beyond the Twin Cities metro area. Why would I, I don't, I don't. I don't feel that I would need to. Here's the scenario. If you have a really difficult form of cancer and it's life or death. Oh, sure. That in that case, you probably, yeah. Okay. Well, that's what, you know, right. that's what one of these like Memorial Sloan Kettering um, would be trying to woo you. Or if you had a uh, certain kind of heart ailment that needed a certain kind of surgery, but, but would you even have the choice? I mean, right. would your insurance cover be out of network? It might cost you a lot of money. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there is a market oh, there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm not saying there's not a market. I just, it's an interesting question. Uh, but you know, so, so now we're going to, now we're going to start getting into quotes from some ad agencies that you probably have heard of like Saatchi and Saatchi. And it makes my neck twitch <laughs> quote. We used to think of hospitals in terms of geography. What's closest and how fast can I get there? Now that's not an issue. Said Ned Russell. Managing director of I'm not making up that name. Ned Russell, managing director of Saatchi and Saatchi Wellness. The healthcare business is developing its own destination segment. So, first of all, we haven't been thinking. It, I'm going to like talk out of both sides of my mouth on this quote. We haven't been thinking about hospitals in terms of geog geography for a long time, right? I mean, you look at markets like Chicago or the Twin Cities. Geography is almost out of the question because you have a lot, so many choices. Right. So this kind of thing has been going on for, you know, if you're talking about medical tourism, at least a few years. Uh, it's not happening starting right now. And hospitals have been trying to position themselves to overcome geography for quite a bit. 
Um, and now he's saying geography is not an issue. So now that's the other side of my mouth is, well, actually, it still is an issue. It still is a primary driver, to your point, Adam, of how people think. It's not the only one. But to just dismiss it is also right. an overstatement, right? Yeah, well, because the, the, the bulk of your business is certainly not going to be those highly specialized cases. It's going to be the you know, run-of-the-mill stuff that you've probably seen you see time and time again. So it's not it's not the stuff that you that that differentiates you. It's it's not the specialized cancer that's like a one in a million type case. For when this is the point we're going to make at the end. For ninety eight percent of the hospitals, exactly right. For the ones that they're using as examples, they the, the profitability for a Cleveland Clinic or a Sloan Kettering or a Mayo Clinic for bringing people in right. may be great. Right, when but you're pulling from the We could probably name the top 10 hospitals or health systems that that would apply to, and then what about the other 6,000? Right. right. So that's, the, that's our final point of this whole thing. But let's keep going on, because there's so much more. <laughs> um, let's see. Further from Ned Russell, uh, a lot of these national world-class medical centers have developed their own specialties, and it's becoming part of their brand value. Uh, they need to attract talent and get funding. How do they do that? By increasing their patient base. How do they lure patients? Emo- their advertising. Their, em- their emotional advertising. Their advertising. <laughs> oh, Sachi and Sachi person. <laughs> oh, Ned Russell. Now, again, let's, the whole point of this is is great. These statements are so black and white. That's what's making right. me roll my eyes. Yes, advertising can have an influence. We've always said that. But it's not how you lure all your patients. Um, And then this is the following statement. Indeed, 25% (laughs) of the patients at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, come from 500 miles away or more. Listen carefully. That's not because of their advertising. Right. And Mayo... kidding. if If you're a marketer in this area and have attended any event where somebody from Mayo has spoken, they are... That is what they speak about. That's what they right. speak to very, very often because it's something they're very proud of and it's something they should be, be very proud of. They became what they are with z- basically zero advertising. Right. Zero. Mm-hmm. They've only started advertising in the last couple of years. They've built a world-renowned brand because of the experience they delivered and the way that that encourages word of mouth. And that's right. what they talk about. They talk about... We bring in more patients because of our word of mouth, not because of advertising. Now they're changing that up a little bit, but to but to give that to to put that sentence after the how do they lure patients? They're advertising makes it sound like well that's how they're getting their patients. That's right. ludicrous. Mm-hmm. This is ad age, ad age. <laughs> <laughs> to get patients traveling, hospitals are upping the ante. The Cleveland Clinic more than doubled its ad spending from two thousand eight two thousand nine. Um, spending by Sarasota Memorial Healthcare System is up 10%, and it's up 15% at Detroit's health, Henry Ford Health System. So uh, I'm going to save that point for later because I think there's some huge irony in all this. Now, further on, we've got another New York agency. Luckily, they chose people that are, you know, have been working in this field forever and ever and aren't in New York. Uh, let's hear from uh, – oh, wait a second. This is a different guy. 
Mark Giriani, president of Ryan True Health, Wilton, Connecticut, a longtime pharma ad vet who's worked on both the agency side and drug company side. So they're kind of trying to com- compare and contrast the hospitals with pharma. And he says, what's happening out there, and one of the things fueling all this promotion advertising is many of them, when they talk to patients and consumers, talk in specialties. I say refreshing soda, you think Coca-Cola. I say cancer treatment, you think Sloan Kettering. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I don't think most people think Sloan Kettering, first of all. And second of all, please, maybe there's a better analogy. (laughs) I say refreshing soda. You think Coca-Cola. I I say debilitating cancer. (laughs) (laughs) I I shouldn't get on him for that. It's just, it seems so inappropriate. And now I'm on a roll, so I couldn't help myself. I had to to listen. Um. Then let's see further on down. We hear from Ed Bennett. Uh, yeah, there's quoted some good many quotes. Times. Yeah, he had some good stuff. To say. Yeah, and, and we know Ed's very grounded, so great source to, to turn to. Uh, and the only thing I have to talk about this is Ed has Ed statistics now are that hospitals have gone from let's see 250 Twitter accounts in May of 2009 to 552, and from 250 YouTube channels to 341. Now they kind of present that like that's a a huge increase, right? 250 in May of 2009 to 552. So it's more than doubled in a year. It's not. That's my point. It's a, it's well, doubling. So if you look at like the percentage, but it's a cornhole low number to start with. 250 out of 6,000. Right. Right? <clears throat> 250 YouTube channels to 341. That's just... Sad. That's how I think about it. Sorry, Jackie. Cynicism abounds here. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm what, what's what's the what's the number? The that's the number of hospitals in the country. Period. What the the big number that I threw out six thousand. Yeah, that's if you count every single kind. So and, every and, little podung right. hospital. And there are people um, which that we know quite well, like Tom Stitt or Ed Bennett, that would say, "Well, you can't, you can't." count all 6,000 right. because not all 6,000 need to be on social media. So you're media, probably looking at half of that, if not much, much less. I don't know. I don't know why. Probably can't much be honest. But, but they give good arguments why you cut it down. But, I mean, how many hospitals are in Minnesota? Uh, what is the number? It's been a while since I've probably more than that. There's a lot of small community. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of small town hospitals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, to me, that's still pathetically low. But And now here's Ed. Hospitals realize word of mouth is the most significant driver you can have. So social media is an opportunity to humanize what can be a scary, complex institution. I tell hospitals, don't get into social media because you think you're going to get more patients. Do it because you're helping be responsible to people reaching out looking for answers. Dead on. Yeah. Thumbs up there. That's a realistic answer. Okay. And there's a quote from Liazzi, which is nice. From Mayo, correct? From Mayo Clinic. Uh, and, you know, they talk a lot about Twitter, but I think Twitter is one of the weaker social media options for hospitals. I think Facebook and it was, YouTube Yeah, Facebook is, I think, in our opinion, king right now. Mm-hmm. If you're really reaching out to, to, to a wide demographics. Uh, so here's, now they have a counter from somebody, uh, Mr. Matson. I don't know who Mr. Matson is. Who's Mr. Matson? 
Paul Matson, CMO of Cleveland Clinic, who says he's not quite convinced that the uptick in marketing for hospitals and medical centers was completely due to health care reform bill, noting that, quote, most of health care reform will not go into place until 2014. Right. So it's a bit premature to say it's affected our strategy. I think that's a reasonable statement, but we would also say that it's been going on for years and years and years. Yeah. So to tie almost anything <clears throat> they mention in healthcare reform is twittering live surgeries, Twitter itself, social media, advertising, well, and we, specialty and, focus. I mean, we've seen live surgeries performed a number of ways. I mean, people, people just are interested in experimenting with this. I mean, there's from, from televising things and yeah, – I mean, there's just a number of ways people have experimented with sharing that experience with people to see if it, if there's educational value or, mm-hmm. I guess, potentially marketing value. I don't know. Uh, Twitter it, is just the, the, the way to try it out. Yeah. And we've seen things about, I mean, pros and cons for Twittering surgical, <clears throat> you know, procedures. And, again, just try it out. That's fine. I think part of the thing that's missing in this article is, they tie it to, to healthcare reform, but they don't say why healthcare reform would be driving this kind of behavior. It says they're trying to establish themselves as a go to place for particular diseases, but they were trying to do that before. I mean, that's just business development and marketing. I wonder if there's a dial, if there's a, if that, if the Twitter stream from that is saved somewhere. It would just be interesting to read what the heck they were even saying. That would be Ooh. interesting at all. The live. Twitter feed during the oh surgery surgery oh that so specifically what exactly were, what were they saying that was at all interesting or captivating? Now we are piercing the intestine or moving it aside. Dropped my forceps. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think tying this to I think tying this to healthcare reform is. <clears throat> I've said this enough. Beat a dead horse. It's it's silly. It's inappropriate. But they don't even give a reason why. What in healthcare reform would have driven this behavior? So it's right. it's bad that way. And then you think the irony that healthcare reform would drive this kind of behavior is probably not a good thing for the provider industry, right? I mean, healthcare reform is all supposed to be about making our healthcare system more effective, cheaper, all those things. And there's already concern about scrutiny from politicians and regulators on healthcare marketing and advertising spending. And so they see this and they're going to think, well, this is not the effect we wanted to have. We're supposed to be saving money, not, you know, giving incentives to spend more money on silly things like advertising and marketing. So it even can do a disservice that way by trying to tie it in. I mean, it feels like maybe the, the author was just trying to give some kind of current events, twist to this news peg to it when in reality this stuff has been going on forever and ever and it's really not news yeah. at all well there's 95 percent of the news that you get every day right there <laughs> <laughs> yes somebody from sachi sachi somebody from sachi and sachi or somewhere else probably pitched this story that's that's my guess it's too bad they didn't talk to more people that might have given them a perspective of saying Actually, no. Well, you know, Mr. Matson says that, but he's at Cleveland Clinic. Uh, but, but the other thing is, you know, you kind of alluded to this <clears> before, Adam. Even if this is happening, well, we know this is happening. There's no argument that it's happening. Um, it's not because of healthcare reform. But it's not applicable to the vast, vast majority of hospitals. Right. 
there are a handful, a dozen, maybe two dozen, that could hope to claim some kind of well, national... And, and, and that's the danger of, mm-hmm. of interviewing a top agency of sorts. I mean, I assume they are. I guess I don't know a ton about them other than some of their work, but that's, that's who they work with. Those are their clients. So that's, their perspective is going to be you know, the Fortune 500 or right. Fortune 10 of ho- dozen of hospitals out there. And that, to them, that's, that's how the world works. They don't see small-town hospitals. They don't even see large metro-area hospitals like these because they're not Mayo Clinic, because they're not Cleveland Clinic, Good because point. they're not whatever. You know, they're, not, they're not in that Fortune dozen of hospitals. So that's the danger in, in, in something like that. Right. So you have to re, you have to take this stuff with a grain of salt and, and and pull out the nuggets that are applicable to your situation because my God, a lot of that simply is not. No, and, and we've talked about in recent podcasts how the Mayo Clinic and it's trying to expand their market is coming to the Twin Cities, um, and th- this fits with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if you are in the Twin Cities and you're a line of Fairview, Health Partners, Northmore, whatever, uh, this will impact you because they're gonna they're gonna slowly bleed patients from you. Uh, but the danger to what you're talking about, Adam, is that you know, chief cardiologist at Alina picks up this story and goes, "We need to become nationally right. renowned." Well, that's you're, not a counter strategy that's going to work right. for you. And is that even? Yeah, a, that, yeah that, that, that's probably one of the stupidest things you could try to do to, to, to be successful in your, in your market to start with. I mean, that's, you got to start somewhere. Right. You can't right. start with the world. If the challenge is that the Mayo Clinic or the Cleveland Clinic is draining patients from your market, the answer isn't to become nationally renowned. <laughs> but, but you could see right. how leadership and physicians would look at this and go, well, we're as good as they are. You of know, we, you are. remember the quote from the story that was talking about this where one of the physicians was like, people should get down on their knees and thank us for the care yeah. we deliver. Like, that's how they think. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> well, that's how they think. And so you can see them going, we should counter this by becoming national renowned too, which would be a horrible waste of money. W- would do very little to, to stop out migration of your own patients. You should be all, be all about why you should stay here and, and focus on this market. Right. I mean, unless you're trying to pull in people from Florida and Texas and California, I mean, you, it, it can't hurt you to establish that kind of credibility if you can. No, and these, and, but, and, and like we alluded to, or like we talked about earlier, Mayo didn't decide one day they were going to be a, this, this global leader in providing health care. It started, they started. Modest and small, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know their whole history, their whole backstory. But they, they didn't start there. They started. And they, they they gradually grew to become that. Right. So you can't just say one day that this is what we what, what we are and this is what we expect to be seen as. The public decides that. You can say what you want. Nobody's right. gonna buy it. If if you're somebody like uh, Abbott Northwestern Hospital in the Twin Cities, which does have a national reputation for cardiac care, does great work. Uh, some other kinds of care too. They may have a, a shot at trying, but it's a long road to hope. I mean, it, it would take millions of dollars and years and years of promotion and social media and advertising and and more than just that, right? To right. try to, to sway that. Well, or just you know create a remarkable experience and let your let your patients do it for you. Do the Mayo thing. Yeah, that just takes decades. Well, it takes time, but I mean, if you if you want if you want that kind of a reputation and you really want to compete with them head on, 
that's what it's going to take. Right. Anyway, so sorry, Jackie, that was such a cynical. It was a cynical, <laughs> slippery slope because as soon as I started reading this, I'm like, oh, my eyes are literally like rolling inside my head nonstop. <laughs> that looked like Great what's visual. her name from, from The Omen or from Exorcist. The Exorcist. What was her name? Green bile spewing out of my mouth and my eyes rolling up in my head. Number of quotes that are coming to mind that just started entirely inappropriate. Yeah. When, when she's, she's possessed, her head she's spins around. All, she's saying all sorts of horrible things. Yeah. We'll leave that nice. off this podcast. You can leave it off the podcast, <laughs> beep, yeah. Beep, beep. <laughs> all right, anything else you guys want to hit? No, we already talked about Justin Bieber. And remember August 12th. You want to hit Justin Bieber? Remember August 12th, right, for our party? Yep, August 12th. Our party is going to be at? Vicks. Vicks, which, which is, is in Minneapolis in St. Anthony, Maine. Yep. On the river, yep. Beautiful, beautiful location. We don't quite have a time nailed down. that we Styling facilities. It'll be awesome. Right on the riverfront. It's, it's going to be the beautiful. place to be seen. That it night. is. It's going to be the place to be. We're going to have more Anybody who's anyone. Anybody who's anybody. We'll be there. We'll be there for sure. Bells on. What does that mean? What does that mean? No. What does that quote? We'll but I just kind of like it. I have to Google right. the origins of with bells on. All right. Well, we'll make sure we have Wikipedia bells Wikipedia will know. <laughs> Regardless, just wear bells. <laughs> All right, let's sign off. You ready? Ready. All right, for arrogant healthcare marketing bastards, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Retackle. Adam Meyer. Have a great 4th of July. You'll probably already have had it by the time you hear this. Time <laughs> Hope war. you had a good 4th. <laughs> Hope you had a good 4th. Talk to you next week.